recorded and this is from a recorded talk. So we've come to cultivate samadhi. We do this by watching our breath as it comes and goes. You can use this word buddho along with the breath, keeping that in the heart so that we develop mindfulness. This quality of sati is that of mindfulness or recollection. And then there's sampajanya, this all-round knowing or clear comprehension. And these are two qualities that have great benefit. And the more mindfulness that we can have, the better. If we have very firm samadhi, samadhi that's very well established or, or very strong, then it's possible to get delighted and distracted in the happiness of that samadhi. Or if we use too much wisdom, then the mind will get scattered. But this quality of mindfulness, of recollection, that we recollect the body or the feelings or the mind or the Dhamma, and these are the basis for our mindfulness. And this is the path to peace. But it also requires time as well. And it's just like how trees require time for them to grow. Um, and sometimes this takes many years. In hardwood trees, they may take 20 years for them to grow, to develop. Uh, to get the heartwood in them. And so this is also true for our practice through cultivating mindfulness. That if we just want to get immediate results or to get results very quickly, well, that's just not possible. Because the causes and the effects, they don't meet up with each other. They're not in balance. So it takes time. So like the generosity that we do when we give, then maybe there'll be results that come to us in this life, or maybe even today. And so the result of that is uh, when the results are complete, then we may gain that uh, immediately. It depends when those results become complete. So the Buddha's time there was one very rich man who had a number of servants. And one of these servants had a lot of faith in Buddhism. He was a very generous uh, man, even though he was poor. And so we are aware that in India nowadays, this is also true back then, that those people who are rich are extremely rich, and those who are poor are very, very poor. And so, in the house of this one millionaire, uh, the owner of that house, he didn't like to be generous. He wasn't a very generous person. But his servant was very interested in creating merit. So one day, the, the daughter of one of his servants, uh, Lady Uttara, she offered food to Venerable Sariputta. And so she liked to give many things as well. She would also offer toothwood as well. 
And the benefits uh, that accrued from this was that uh, her father's land turned into gold. And so we're aware that there's often gold in mountains or hills, but through the barami of that she had created and the merit that she had created, uh, this gold appeared on her father's land. So what then happened? Well, the king um, heard about that news, and he went uh, to take ownership of that gold. But when he got the gold, then it turned back into earth immediately. And why was that? It's because that gold didn't come about through the merit of the king. So he realized uh, what had happened, and in the end, he gave the gold back. So through this, uh, Lady Uttara's father became very wealthy. And that was because of the merit of having uh, his daughter having offered uh, food to Venerable Sariputta. So there was the, the family of the previous uh, employer of Lady Uttara's father uh, wished to uh, ask for Lady Uttara's hand in marriage. And she really didn't want to marry because she saw that this family um, that she was due to be married to they didn't have any faith in the Buddha. They were very stingy. And so she didn't want uh, to marry. But there was a lot of pressure put on her father, and so she was forced into this marriage. And then when she got married, she didn't have any happiness um, in her new house. And why was that? It's because she had great faith, um, faith and conviction in her heart, in the fully self-awakened Buddha. And she was a Sotapanna as well. And her father too was a Sotapanna, someone who had great faith in Buddhism. And what's the faith of a Sotapanna like? Well, they're willing to accept death. They would rather die than to kill or harm any beings. And they don't want to take any other people's wealth as their own. They've got no desire for this because they see that this is just worldly stuff. It's not permanent, it's not constant, that you get it and then it disappears. And it's also subject uh, to many different kinds of dangers and disasters as well. It has many enemies that are able to take it. But Sotapanas, they have this noble welfare within their own hearts. And this is a wealth that can't be destroyed by anything. And so this is just natural for a Sotapanna to have this wealth. So Lady Otara, she was a stream entrer, a Sotapanna. She had this great faith in generosity, a faith in virtue, a faith in meditation. But she was married into a household of a very wealthy man who didn't have this faith. And so living with him, she had no happiness there. And it was like each day she lived in hell. She wasn't able to go and offer food. She wasn't able to be generous in this way. 
And so she suffered a lot um, living there. One day her father heard about this news and he sent her some gifts so that she could offer those. But she also wanted to practice, to meditate as well. And so she thought, well, how could she do this? And she knew that if she just went off to practice and her husband disagreed, then problems would arise due to that. So she used some of this gold to hire uh, Lady Sirima, who was a courtesan, a very famous courtesan, someone of great beauty. She was um, extremely beautiful, and all of the people who came to the town, the very wealthy people, um, they would wish to acquire her services. And it was an occupation that had quite a lot of honor to it as well, uh, being a courtesan. And she was very rich uh, through this occupation, and uh, she was also quite expensive, and so most people couldn't afford her. But Lady Uttara uh, used this gold to hire her for 15 days, and then she went off to take up the eight precepts, and to meditate, and to pay respects to the Buddha. And so she gained a lot of joy in her heart uh, through the Dhamma. And she was also able to offer a lot of food to the monks. But when Lady Sirima saw this, then a lot of jealousy arose within her heart. Because just living in that house for 15 days, she had already attached to it as being her own. She already attached to uh, Lady Uttara's husband as her own husband. So jealousy came up, and then hatred arose from that jealousy. And then through that hatred, she got a pot of boiling ghee, and she went to throw it, uh, or pour it, over the face of Lady Uttara. But Lady Uttara, due to being a sotapanna, she didn't have any jealousy in her heart. There wasn't any ill will there, not even a tiny amount. And she determined her mind, inner mind, that this hot ghee should become cool. And it did so. And so she didn't experience any pain. There wasn't any damage in any way done to her. And Lady Sirima was really surprised and shocked by this. And then she realized that this must be a really evil deed that I committed that I have tried to harm someone who has a lot of barami. And so her mindfulness uh, came back, and she asked forgiveness from Lady Uttara, and she didn't want for there to be any karma left there, any, um, evil, any evil between them. But Lady Uttara replies, well, you shouldn't ask forgiveness from me. You should go and ask forgiveness from my father instead. And so Lady Sirima, she understood that this meant her biological father. But uh, she said, no, that's not the case. This is my father in the Dhamma, uh, the fully self-awakened Buddha. So really she had a lot of metta, kindness there for Lady Sirima. 
that she wished for her to meet with the Buddha. And then through that, uh, maybe she would turn to a good person. So she did this. Lady Suryama went to ask forgiveness uh, from the Buddha and said that Lady Uttara is your child, and so may I ask forgiveness from you for trying to harm your child. The Buddha then went to teach her. You see that the Buddha is the teacher of devas and humans. And so he knew in what way it was appropriate for him to teach the Dhamma to Lady Surima in a way that she was able to accept it. So he taught her, and as he did so, her mind became brighter and brighter, more and more clear. And eventually he taught about the Four Noble Truths, and through this she realized dream entry, and there was no ill will left in her heart. And so she became well established in virtue and uh, reached the level of stream entry of Sotapanna. She was also very close to Dr. Jivaka uh, because they were brothers and sisters, and he too was a Sotapanna. Now, Lady Sarima, she was extremely beautiful. And how beautiful was she? Oh, she was so beautiful that there was even the case of a monk that he wasn't able to meditate due to her beauty. So nowadays we could say that she was like Miss Universe. So there was one monk who went off on arms round. And even though Lady Surima was very old at that time, he just caught a glimpse of her. And then he returns to the monastery, uh, to Veruvana Monastery, and he wasn't able to eat. All he could see in his mind was this woman, was Lady Surima. And so he thought, well, what can I do? He wasn't able to eat, so he just left his bowl full of food lying there and he couldn't meditate. So the Buddha, the Buddha became aware that one of the monks was in this state. And then he was also told that uh, Lady Surima had passed away, that she was quite ill at that time, and so she died. So there was an invitation uh, to, made to the Buddha for him to go to her funeral in order that offerings could be made to him. So the Buddha then invited uh, the monks at the monastery, but he didn't tell them that it was a funeral, that she had died. But rather what he said is there's an invitation to Lady Surima's house. And so this monk who was infatuated with her and was sick in his heart due to this infatuation was invited as well. And so he heard that there's this invitation to Lady Surima's house. And so immediately he got his robes on and he went over to the house. But when he got there, then he realized that she had died. And just through knowing that, the delight, the infatuation in his heart lessened a lot. So the Buddha then started uh, giving a teaching to the monks 
that Lady Surima, while she was alive, um, her, her services were very, very expensive. You can say it was like 10 million baht or even 100 million baht. But he asked, well now, who wants her? Who's willing to pay for her? And so then he started asking, well, who's willing to pay 100 million for her? Who's willing to pay 99 million for her? And then the price got lower and lower. Who's willing to pay 10 million or 10,000? And in the end, he got down to just one baht, and no one wanted her. And so this monk, he was contemplating as the Buddha was teaching. He was meditating as well. And eventually, he came to realize that sankharas, these conditioned phenomena, this conditioned body, it's something that changes. It's something that's not sure. It's a source of suffering. It's anatta. It's not self. It's not something that's beautiful at all. So this dhamma is apaniko, panaiko, something to be brought within ourselves. So he did this. He brought that dhamma within himself, and he realized arahantship. So he was able to go from the state of infatuation, of just being delighted by her, but due to the path being full in his heart, he could realize arahantship as well. So Lady Surima was a very important figure in Rajagir. Uh, she was a Sotapanna. And even though she had such great jealousy in her heart, she was also able to realize stream entry. And she became the cause for a monk to realize arahantship. So therefore, for us, the generosity, um, the good things that we do, the results that arise from this, they may arise in this life or they may arise in the next life. And that just depends upon um, this merit as to when it will come up. But no matter what the case, we should endeavor to build up a lot of goodness, as much goodness as we can, try to bring the mind to stillness, try to practice, try to meditate, have mindfulness over this in-breath and this out-breath, whether standing, walking, sitting, lying down, we should be reciting Buddha within our hearts, always keeping that there with our minds, not allowing our meditation to leave our minds. And so we do this because our lives are not sure, but death is sure. Death is certain, it's the culmination of our lives. And so may we all be really sincere on cultivating these hearts, on building up goodness. So may all of you have long life, beauty, happiness, strength, and quick-wittedness. May you all have wealth, and these three wealths, the wealth of the humans, the wealth of the heavens, and the wealth of Nibbāna. And may all of you grow, develop in the Dhamma.